Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Everybody, welcome to episode number 38 of the Look Ahead, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. He is RJ Ochoa. What's up, RJ? Stats, long time, no talk, really just a week. Uh, I feel so good to be back in your warm embrace. Uh, Stats and I are hugging for the duration of the show, just so everybody knows. A bro hug, of course. Uh, feels right, feels nice, and I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm happy because every once in a while we come up with theme shows and this was your brainchild. And as soon as I heard it, I latched on. I'm super excited about this show. It has taken over my life for this week. So I appreciate the, you know, sort of hat tip, but this was really your brainchild. Um, if you'll allow me, I'll explain how we got here. I did really nothing. Um, and Stats <laughs> then did all of the hard work. Uh, so we're recording. Obviously, today's you know Thursday, May twenty seventh, two thousand twenty one. An important day, obviously, in pop culture history because today, Stats, the Friends reunion drops on HBO Max. Not a plug. They are not a sponsor. Although we are certainly not opposed to free money. Uh, HBO Max, what up? Uh, by the way, Sloan says what up. A product from. Entourage, also on HBO Max. Uh, anyway, so we were talking about that, and I said, in the spirit of this, because the reunion drops on Thursday, we should do something Friends-related. And then Stats came in with the idea of all ideas, and I'll let you take it from here. So without question, the most memorable, most famous episode of Friends is the game show episode where... It has a name. It has a name. It's like the one with the embryos or something, right? Yes, you knew that. Don't don't act all coy like you're you're better than friends like you didn't know the name. <laughs> so Chandler and Joey face off against Monica and Rachel to see who knows the other group better and the winner gets the apartment. So that was the premise of the episode. So we wanted to do something in that honor. So we have assembled our own questions. We're going to use the exact same categories that they use on the show, same rules on the show. We have put our questions together, and in the event of a tie, yes, we do have lightning round questions prepared, so this is going to be fun. It is going to be extremely fun. The categories, just to go over them in case anybody doesn't remember, in case anybody didn't watch Friends, uh, shame on you, it is the greatest sitcom of all time, fears and pet peeves, ancient history, which Friends kind of is at this point, uh, ironically, literature, and it's all relative. Uh, Stats... This was your idea. I think you deserve to go first. Um, to be clear here, Stats and I have each come up with questions for each other based on each of these categories. So you can pick any one of these categories, and I've got something prepped for you. Okay. Let's start off with ancient history. Okay. Uh, ooh, uh, this is a great one because it allows me the opportunity to talk about the Dallas Cowboys. Name the top single. At the time of the last Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl win, I will give you a clue. Uh, by the way, the Dallas Cowboys on Super Bowl 30 on January 28th, 1996. Um, it, it, was, it wasn't a, a one single artist. It was a combination. It was two mainstays, two heavyweight hitters at the time. Man, I was all set to go with some sort of Mariah Carey song, and then you threw that wrench in there. I will say, I'll give you, I'll give you help and say you're not far off on that instinct that's the only clue i'll give you 
Is it two people that normally work together or was this like a featuring situation? Um, it was, I mean, you know, I don't know like how close they are as, um, as recording companions, but, um, it's two mainstays, two heavyweight hitters. It is a collaboration. It's that's the clue you get. Is it Mariah Carey and Puff Daddy? I'm not giving you any more clue stats. That's got- my that's my guess. Mariah Carey and Puff Daddy with something. I don't know. The 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 question is to guess a song. You haven't even guessed a song, a specific song. I, I got nothing, man. Okay, well, um, no apartment for you early on. The answer is one sweet day. By Mariah Carey and Boys to Men. Oh, Uh, I was so close. I knew uh, Mariah Carey was in there. Yeah. So um, recently I did something uh, for blogoftheboys.com. It will also be out on the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel and on our podcast network where Shereen Williams from Pro Football Talk, friend of the show, and I talked about the greatest Dallas Cowboys teams of all time. Uh, we decided on the 1992 Dallas Cowboys. So they were, uh, they were you know, nice and, and veterans by the time of this song's release. Uh, but stats, it is so depressing to think about how long it's been since the Dallas Cowboys won a Super Bowl. Uh, and technically it has not been as long as the San Francisco 49ers just to be totally clear here um you know <laughs> but um and so i guess this is a, applicable although not as literally uh to the 49ers and i've always told people this uh marvin harrison was drafted in 1996 which means that he literally began his nfl career and ascended to the heights of having a hall of fame career at that won a super bowl himself um and then sat out the necessary time period to ultimately be enshrined into the Pro Football Hall of Fame all since the Dallas Cowboys have last won a Super Bowl. And that's always kind of been the one player that I focused on. Uh, But today, uh, I think it's particularly notable to talk about Adam Vinatieri. Adam Vinatieri obviously announced his retirement, which you talked about on the Daily on Thursday. Adam Vinatieri entered the NFL in 1996, which was at the time of the Dallas Cowboys' last Super Bowl victory. Adam Vinatieri entered a world where the Dallas Cowboys were the team and literally had a career that we all established is like this incredibly long thing that is the drought. Adam Vinatieri's career is literally the Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl drought. It is crazy to me that Dallas could go this long between Super Bowl titles, but they've also never been irrelevant, which is like usually when you go this long, like the Jets, they've been irrelevant for a long time. The Lions, like they just have seasons that did not matter at all. I feel like that has never happened to the Cowboys, but they also they haven't even been back to an NFC title game since winning that Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, when Shireen and I were talking and obviously, you know, discussing the different teams, she, when she when we talked about the 1992 Dallas Cowboys, she talked about the long drought that they had been in, in, in terms of winning a Super Bowl. At the time, the drought was 15 years. Like, that was it. Like, huh. if <laughs> I mean, that's nuts. I mean, that we're talking now about a quarter century. We're, you know, we're approaching that doubled in length. Uh, you're right, and I think that much of that is the pomp and circumstance of Jerry Jones. Obviously, the majority of his ownership uh, and overseeing of the organization has been the the draft that they've been in. All the success they had came early on. They've had some really electric moments and electric players. Um, you know, I had a tweet a couple of years ago that really took off. It's astounding when you think about the like level of talent that was ultimately wasted in a decade under Jason Garrett. I mean, Tony Romo, DeMarcus Ware, the primes of Travis Frederick, Tyron Smith, arguably Zach Martin, Des Bryant, Dan Bailey, uh, certainly a, a ring of honor candidate for the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I mean, just an incredible number of people and talents and moments and bits of luck all just poured down the drain. It is frustrating. 
had it, as much as Jerry Go- Jerry Jones gets criticized as a GM, that's a pretty damn impressive list of people that you just threw out there. Uh, so, you know, maybe I need to rethink that. But the Cowboys, for a team that's always relevant, they have not had translated that to playoff success. Going into this season, are you, if you had to pick a side, are the Cowboys closer to winning a Super Bowl or closing to, closer to making it yet another year without a title? Oh, that's an interesting question. I would say close to winning the Super Bowl just because I think like being above, well, there's no more 500, but like, you know, making the playoffs is technically closer to winning the Super Bowl than the latter. So I would say that um, I don't know that I would put them in like the top five to six teams that are in Super Bowl contention right now. But I do think that they will be very good just because I believe in Dak Prescott. But uh, OK, stats, I'm ready to get to your questions because All right. as, as much as I would love to, we can't spend the entire time talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, so uh, nice way to get things started with ancient history. I will go fears and pet peeves. Fears and pet peeves. OK, this is a little off track on football, but we'll you'll see where I'm going with this. So last night, Wizards guard Russell Westbrook was furious after a fan Dallas Cowboys fan Russell Westbrook by the way <laughs> can I can I go yes. are you ready so Russell Westbrook was furious after a fan dumped popcorn on his head as he was walking to the locker room after getting injured in last night's playoff game what notorious object did Bills fans throw on the field in a game against the Patriots in 2016 um so you edit this show uh, <laughs> so I I don't know if you have to bleep this out later. I know the answer. Um, for the purposes of trying to make your job editing this show easier, it was a sex toy, Stats. The sex toy is correct. <laughs> and it's not the last time it happened, by the way. There have been multiple toys in games since then that have been thrown on the field. Yeah, that was it. And I'm, I'm this is where I come down in this whole situation, RJ. As a fan, I think you can say, say, Almost anything from the stands to a player, like unless you're spouting off like Mein Kampf, then there's an issue. But I think you gave the you can say anything you want. Now, that doesn't spare you from consequences like you could still be a jerk if you say horrible things. But I think that's okay as a fan because you're trying to get a reaction out of these players. But you cannot under any circumstances throw anything at them. I don't care if it's a piece of popcorn. I don't care if it's a crumb. I don't care if it's anything. Whoever did that should be found and banned for life from going to an NBA game. Yeah, I mean, uh, throwing things in NBA games has led to some of the more notorious moments in NBA history. Obviously, the malice at the Palace. Uh, that was what, like a Powerade cup or a Gatorade cup, whatever it was. Um, so not popcorn, but you know, still uh, not a cool thing and heavier than popcorn. Yeah, I agree. Um, I still don't know that I agree with you can say anything. Wasn't there a big brawl? Um, in 2017 between uh, when the Jaguars played the Seahawks? Weren't there fans who, who got a little bit too riled up? And uh, I kind of remember that because the Cowboys game was flexed out of uh, the afternoon. That's why I remember that, uh, for, for that game. Um, and there was some, you know, discourse going on there. And so I don't know that I agree you can say anything. I get your point, though. Like, generally speaking, like, if you want to be like, you suck as a player, whatever, like, that's that's you know, standard fan behavior. Like that's, you know, you want to like, you know, jeer at the opponent. That's again, standard fan behavior. But yeah, throwing stuff. Where do you fall if say, um, say you're a Cleveland Brown and you jump into the dog pound to celebrate and there's like residual beer spilt on you? That's fair game, right? Like if, if you just run into it, it's your fault. Yeah, there's a difference between getting 
having beer spill on you and having somebody dump a beer on you. If you jump into the stands and crash into somebody who's drinking a beer, you might get wet. Like, that's different. But I, I really have a huge problem with fans interacting with a player like that, trying to essentially make contact with anything. I mean, you don't know what can happen. Remember Courtney Brown, the lineman for the, for the Browns, got hit in the eye with the penalty flag, and then he, like, lost partial vision in his eye? Like, stuff can happen, man. And I just – I do not blame Russell Westbrook at all who went nuts. I don't blame any of the any, any of the NFL players that go crazy. When you throw stuff on the field, like, you have crossed a major line, and that drives me crazy. I agree completely with you. Um, I mean, anything. Like, It's not like there's one thing that's better. Like, oh, w- at least it wasn't a beer bottle. Like, no, there's nothing that is good to throw. Um, to continue to make things about the Cowboys, I suppose. Seriously, though, like on the subject of kind of like revisiting a lot of things, I, I feel like this doesn't get the play it should. One of the coolest moments in NFL history was one was when, when the Cowboys played the Packers on Thursday Night Football in 2007, and T.O. dumped a whole like cup of popcorn into his face mask. It was such an incredible visual. I, I, I mean, like when, when you also talk about like how he set up his time in Dallas with get your popcorn ready, like that was the, the payoff on that was so great. I feel like people don't give that moment the love it deserves. But uh, Stats, you are up next. I am a big T.O. fan, so I am all about that. All right, let's go with it's all relative. Oh, okay. Uh, so the PGA Championship was this past weekend. Pete and I actually had a topic prepped on the PGA Championship on Monday Football Monday. But as listeners know, the Julio Jones drama um, kind of ruined it. Uh, shout out to Shannon Sharp, I suppose. Uh, but speaking of golf, the next major championship for the PGA Tour is the U.S. Open. And the U.S. Open stats, your question, will be held at which course? The clue uh, that you are provided is that the course uh, – geographically the geographic area used to play home to a team that is going to indiana jones swap a team within their own division this year in terms of nfl relativity what the hell did you just say okay so the question is is you have to name the course that the u.s open is going to be held at but your clue is that the geographic area that the course is used to play home to an nfl team that this coming season is going to replace a team within their own division in terms of NFL relativity. Dude, this is a terrible question. <laughs> no, it's I'm not. not. I have no answer. That clue was absolutely useless. What? Well, then just focus on the question. I don't know. New York? I have it's, no idea. It's one of the most famous golf courses in the world. I, I mean, no, I, don't, I have no idea. This is a so, football show. <laughs> You talking about Russell Westbrook on the, on the football but the show? The question was a football question. <laughs> this is jerk. a football question. I promise you. I have you. no idea. Oh, I'm over two. What is I know the our I know our listeners know the answer. Uh, it is topical to the PGA champion in Phil Mickelson. It is kind of effectively his home course. The U.S. Open will be at Torrey Pines this year, which is in San Diego, like geographically speaking. So, and San Diego used to play home to the Los Angeles Chargers, whose stats this season are going to completely replace the Denver Broncos on the NFL Richter scale of relativity. I I mean, we've bagged on the Broncos a lot, but I don't think we've bagged on the Broncos enough from like an overall impact standpoint. And it's tough to be like an NFL blue blood and fade into obscurity. But the Broncos are managing to do this. I had never, by the way, the other day I saw uh, uh, one of the Broncos beat writers refer to them as the white horses. Have you ever heard of them as that? No. 
I have ne- I've never heard of that ever. Uh, I kind of thought it was cool. But anyway, um, do you know that this season, I know we've already talked schedule a thousand different times. This season, the Denver Broncos 29-year streak of playing on Monday Night Football came to an end. And if you look at the state of their division, the Kansas City Chiefs aren't going anywhere in terms of relativity for a very, very, very long time. The Las Vegas Raiders, by virtue of just being in Vegas and obviously having John Gruden for the foreseeable future, are at the very least going to be entertaining. They, in fact, play in the first Monday Night Football game of the season. The Chargers have always kind of been this, like, ah, yeah, I'll I'll watch the random, you know, Chargers-Raiders game that's on at 3 o'clock once my team is done at noon or whatever. But with Justin Herbert, with Brandon Staley, in the Los Angeles market, with all the things that are going the Chargers' way, they are going to really push Denver into the wilderness as far as, like, you know, the pop and pizzazz of the NFL is concerned. Do you agree? I completely agree with you. And the Denver Broncos, you're right about them being like a blue-blood NFL franchise. Up until recently, up until 2017-2018, they had not had two consecutive years under 500 since like the 70s. Like they've just always been pretty good. And it is deteriorated there. It has fallen apart. John Elway, I will always criticize him for this, had zero plan for the quarterback position totally. after Peyton Manning. He had no he had no clue. Like I don't know if he thought he was just gonna like piece it together or what. But they have spiraled down the drain since then. They've pinned their hopes to Drew Locke. He looks good sometimes. I mean, this is where they are right now with Drew Locke, right? So the encouraging thing I saw, I just read about this yesterday, was that he had a couple of film sessions with Peyton Manning. Apparently, Peyton Manning is bored and literally called up Drew Locke and was like, hey, man, I've got a pretty good film set up at my place. Do you want to come over and talk film? And apparently they met a couple times for like eight or nine hours each time and just, you know, shot the shit, basically. And so, like, if you're a Bronco fan, you're going to be like, okay, maybe Peyton fixed him and now he's going to be good. And like, that's where you are. Are you pinning your hopes on the season? I just I I, there's nothing except for Von Miller fighting Texas Aggie that I like about the Broncos situation. Right. Like Von is probably a Hall of Famer at this point. Right. He's you know, I don't know what more he has left to accomplish. Um you know, and and that's the thing, like the the clock is ticking there on Von Miller. And once he's gone, there's nothing. No, like I think a, an interesting way to measure like NFL pop is what players on your team would be in the Sunday Night Football intro song with Carrie Underwood. You know what I mean? Like when she's walking around and you know how they have like different guys imposed or whatever. What Bronco outside of Von Miller would be in that? There's not. You know what I mean? Bradley Chubb? Still, and I, the Drew Locke thing is so discouraging to me. Uh, did you hear the report this week? I actually first heard about this on the Around the NFL podcast, uh, a great NFL podcast, obviously. Um, Drew Locke's dead. Uh, I'm reading to you stats uh, from SI.com's coverage of the Denver Broncos, Mile High Huddle. Um, Andy Locke has kept on top of those optimistic remarks of Broncos players and kept his son in the know when a Cortland Sutton or anyone else has gone to bat for him in the press so Drew can reach out to that teammate. So if I'm understanding this right, Drew Locke's dad, and respect on, you know, loving his son and keeping track of things for him, but is literally tracking when Broncos players speak optimistically about him in their media sessions or whatever and letting him know about them. 
that just that doesn't end well to me. You know, I I actually really like the father son relationship happening here, but that just does not seem like it bodes well for Drew Locke's career in the NFL. And is he also tracking the reverse? Who hasn't said anything or who has said <laughs> something less than glowing? Like you're right. Like that does not lead anywhere good, right? Like I I don't like that road. That is dicey. And yeah, the Broncos. Look, it's going to get rough, and it could be rough for a while unless you get your quarterback situation now. Shout out to you for passing on Justin Fields. Seriously. Um, okay, it's my turn. Um, I um, I will go in order. Ancient history. Ancient history. Okay, we were talking about Adam Vinatieri earlier. He announced his retirement after almost a quarter century in the league. My question is this, RJ. What famous Dallas Cowboys running back did Adam Vinatieri chase down to prevent a touchdown in his rookie year? Oh, um, was it Emmett Smith? It had to be. Emmett Smith is incorrect. What? What famous Dallas? Oh, was it Eddie George? No, Eddie George. Eddie George was a famous Dallas Cowboys running back. Herschel Walker is the answer. Herschel Walker was on a kick return, and literally, you can you can go on YouTube right now and watch this. It pops right up. Just Google Adam Vinatieri, Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker has broken free. He's streaking down the left sideline, and Adam Vinatieri chases him down and saves a touchdown. So, first of all, um, not going to lie, that felt dirty, the, w- the way you framed the Dallas Cowboys thing there. But, hey, the question's a question. Um, my What's first dirty miss, about it? Look, Is he not I'm not, famous? I'm not, I'm not going to pull a stats here and, like, complain about the clue uh, that was totally, literally correct, but whatever. Um, do you think that that – you know, like Terrell Davis had a great moment, obviously his rookie year that's talked about a lot on, on kickoff coverage and whatever, I think against the 49ers, if I'm correct. And I believe that game was in Tokyo um, in the preseason. But like that kind of stuff, if if that, I mean, the fact that that happened for Bill Belichick's team went a long way for Adam Vinatieri's career. You know what I mean? Like that's a big old deal to Bill Belichick. I think it was Parcells. Oh, whatever. The point being like that's that for, like, Further cements my point. Like, that highlights who he is. And, and, like, that's Bill Belichick and Bill Parcells are cut from the same cloth of, like, we need football players to be able to do a number of different things. And Adam Vinatieri being able to do that, obviously, is something that, like, you have to set yourself apart, obviously, in, in that time of year. And doing that as a kicker is a great way to do that. Apparently, Parcells' reward to Vinatieri at the time was he, like, called him in front of the team and said, you are no longer a kicker. You are now a football player. Wow. Do you feel like um, like Adam Vinatieri's retirement is a little bit like unceremonious? It, I think it was really cool that he announced it on the Pat McAfee show because nobody went to bat for Adam like Pat has, right? Like over the course of the last, I don't know, 10 years or so. And so I really like that. But it just, I feel like it didn't end the right way. You know, like I feel like Adam's last kick should have been like this epic game winner. I know he was chasing things and, and he, you know, all-time leading scorer. I mean, the guy's had a career it, that's remarkable, but it just it felt like it fizzled out in a way I wouldn't have expected, you know, in his heyday. Do you know why Pat McAfee went to bat for Adam Vinatieri? I would like you to tell the story, so I'll say no for the purposes of having you tell the story. So when Pat McAfee was drafted, Bill Polian called him up and said, hey, Pat, you know, we're thinking about taking you. Have you ever, we want you to be our holder. Have you ever held for, for kicks and field goals before? And Pat's like, oh, yeah. Yep, no problem. All the time. Napoleon said, okay, good. Pat McAfee ended up on the Colts. There's just one small problem. Pat McAfee had never held for a kick before in his life. And so he immediately calls Adam Vinatieri after he's on the team and says, hey, man, I got a hold for you, and I've never done it before. And Vinatieri was pissed. 
And so what he had Pat McAfee do was basically go to like holding boot camp. And McAfee had to go, and I forget who it was with. I can't remember, but he had to go fly to somebody's house. And literally all they did for like days and days and days was work on holding the ball. And Vinatieri was like furious because he's like, hey, man, I'm trying to be the greatest kicker of all time. You're going to screw it up for me. And so he had to go through boot camp and it worked. And McAfee was a fine holder and everything worked out in the end. But that's why McAfee loves Vinatieri because Vinatieri basically like saved his job. That's pretty sick. I mean, what a great dude, Adam Vinatarius. That is so awesome. Um, obviously, in the aftermath of his retirement, people have talked about the tuck rule game and, you know, the game winners in the Super Bowls. Honestly, stats, I actually think you'll agree with this, but most people don't ever discuss this. Adam Vinatieri's finest hour came in the 2006 divisional round in his first season with the Indianapolis Colts. People forget taking on then Steve McNair's Baltimore Ravens. The Indianapolis Colts won a divisional round of playoff game 15 to 6, a game that featured nothing but field goals. And Adam Vinatieri was 5 for 5 on field goals. Literally the main reason. Well, that's a bit of an exaggeration. But still, like, I mean, <laughs> what what an elite performance that is. You know, like, like who has ever, and it's hard to put this in the context of people, but who has ever been like five for five level elite in, in an elite playoff moment like that? It's, it's happened, but that is so amazing that that happened in his first season with the Colts he played for the Colts for what 15 years I think like he played for Indy longer than he played for New England which I I think people think of him as a Patriot kicker I guess that comes when you have two game-winning Super Bowl kicks in your career but he actually was in Indy for longer let me ask you this question other than Jerry Rice is there a player at another position when he retired everybody goes yep he's the greatest at his spot ever hands down well, because Tom Brady hasn't um, yet. Um, man, uh, Reggie White, maybe. Mm, that's that's the only one maybe. I can come close with. But, if you, but I'll give you Bruce Smith. Like, I can argue Bruce Smith. Right. That's fair. No, I, I mean, it's it's tough. It's impossible. It, like, everything about Adam's career is stellar in that sense. Can you name the kicker he replaced in Indianapolis? Oh, Mike Vanderjack? Yeah. Well, not everyone could have done that. And I only remember that because do you know where Mike Vanderjack left to in Indianapolis or once he left Indianapolis? I assume Dallas since you know. It was was the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) The idiot liquored up kicker as Peyton Manning once called him. Well, and he actually was so bad that he didn't even make it through the first season. And the Cowboys had to turn to a former player of Tony Dungy's in Martin Gramatica. Uh, So, yeah, good times. That is crazy because I believe when Vanderjack left the Colts, he was the most accurate kicker in NFL history. He was. So that's what I'm saying. Like, imagine replacing the most accurate kicker in NFL history with Adam Vinatieri. And it, it gets forgotten because, like, I feel like things that happened in the early 2000s get forgotten lately. We need one of those, like, VH1 special, I love the 2000s, uh, to kind of revisit it all. Um, but Adam Vinatieri leaving the Patriots for the Colts was massive. You know, like, I mean, that's a who like, name name another one of those, like somebody who literally left, you know, the what the uh, what is what were the Romeo and Juliet families, the Cato- Capulets Cap- and the Montagues? <laughs> yeah. Like who name somebody who left a Capulet for a Montague like that in NFL history? You can't not not of that level at that time. Richard Sherman left the Seahawks for the 49ers. Yeah. But and you know this, the 49ers at that time were not 
as as much of an equal true. to the Seahawks. The true, way true. the way at the at the at the time of Adam leaving, it was literally leaving one for another, and that's really crazy. And honestly, again, is is maybe you know a, I don't say the reason, but a huge reason why Peyton Manning won his only Super Bowl in Indianapolis. I mean, they beat the Ravens fifteen to six in that divisional playoff game. Vinatieri has more field goals in the last two minutes or overtime than anybody in the regular season and anybody in the postseason. Like you said, he's got the all-time scoring record. He's got the record for most consecutive field goals made. He made 44 straight kicks, RJ. That's insanity. He, it's amazing how linked to so many moments in NFL history that he is literally connected to. He also kicked off the ball that was returned for the first time ever to start a Super Bowl. Like he kicked off to Devin Hester in Super Bowl 41. I mean, it's, um, and he, that's he, slightly he, less impressive on his no, list. No, but what I'm, what I'm saying is like, he, like he has touched all these cornerstone moments of NFL history and he played in the tuck rule game. That's the kick that Bill Belichick loves to talk about. And he kicked in the first Super Bowl ever in the rain. You know what I mean? Like he is truly father football in a lot of senses. It turns out when you play for a quarter century, <laughs> you're sort of connected to a lot of moments. All right. So what I have guessed, it's all relative. And what was the other category I chose? I can't remember which two I have left. You have also guessed ancient history. So you have not chosen fears and pet peeves or literature. Uh, I'll go literature. And I'm dreading this because this is the category I didn't think I was going to be able to answer. But so far, I'm over two. So I need this. Um, this is the most simplistic question that I have. Um, so it's boring. What Super Bowl winning quarterback has lied to author Gary Myers in the last six years? Six, seven years. Super Bowl winning quarterback has lied to Gary Myers. You have to name the Super Bowl winning quarterback who over the last six, seven ish years that has lied to author Gary Myers. Tom Brady. That is correct. Yes. (laughs) Wow. Can, Can you name the lie or you just guessed? No, something in my head, like a bell went off in my head that it was Brady, but I have no idea what the context was. Well, you're a good friend, which means you pay attention to all the work that I create, all the content that I put out. Uh, A few months ago, right after the Super Bowl, actually, uh, I wrote an article for SBNation.com about this. I was reading because it's time of year where I have some time to go back and and read books, books I want to read and books I want to reread. And I was rereading Brady versus Manning, which obviously Gary Myers wrote Uh, in the like beginning of this book. I mean, like literally in the first 30 pages, uh, Tom Brady is talking to Gary Myers about success and, you know, how difficult it is. And he specifically says, it's not like you're going to win six or seven Super Bowls. That's amazing that Tom Brady said that. Um, Now, at the time, Tom Brady had only won four Super Bowls, um, which was already enough to cement him as the GOAT. Obviously, the fifth one, you know, really kind of changed things because it was the 20-3 comeback and whatnot. And so, and and watching on Wednesday, to go back to golf, all the like memes that he had coming out with, you know, Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Koepka, and Rodgers, like (laughs) he has reached this level of ultimate GOAT. Like you, you asked that question, like at the time of Jerry Rice and Adam Vinatieri's retirement, like who, who denies, like who can objectively deny that he is the goat of all goats. And like, I think the way he is the goat in every capacity, like this, you know, the way he's handled himself publicly, he, he is so self-aware of things. He, he does everything the elite way. And that's amazing that he does that. He, he even doubted it himself and he pulled it off. um look i want to be the joe montana guy but you can't you just can't deny it like 
it's he's basically had two Hall of Fame careers. He's got all the Super Bowls. And the argument used to be with Brady, like, well, he wins, but he doesn't have the raw statistical numbers that like a Peyton Manning or a Drew Brees had. Well, guess what? <laughs> when you play to the age that Brady's played at and you produce at his level, he's now going to pass Drew Brees this year for most career passing yards. Like, what is the knock on Brady? There's only one knock, and it's, you know, his team cheated a couple of times. That that's the biggest thing. And, you know, people even dispute how much that cheating may have helped them. But that's really the only knock on Brady. And even then, even if you believe, and I don't think either of us do, that it went this like extravagant, you know, level or was this extravagant level of cheating, he has had so much success independent of all of that that you're almost just to the point of where it's like, okay, well, he would have just won more if he, you know, if, <laughs> if the cheating was successful. You know what I mean? Like it's incredible. What his, you're right, he's had two Hall of Fame careers. And, I mean, I really think the crowning achievement – I used to think the crowning achievement was Super Bowl uh, 49 with the Malcolm Butler game. And then, obviously, Super Bowl uh, 51 happened. And then, you know, last year happened. I mean, like, it, it is so difficult to decide which moment made him the GOAT, which is makes him the GOAT of GOATs. Like, I, I mean, when you power rank him with other GOATs, Serena, MJ, Tiger – where does he rank there? Like, is is he truly the goat of goats, or is he just football's goat? No, I think he's just football's goat. Gretzky is sure. This is my favorite Wayne Gretzky stat of all time, and I can't believe I'm bringing this out on this podcast. If Wayne Gretzky never scored a goal, he'd still have more points than anybody that's ever played hockey before. That's insanity. Okay, what? <laughs> So in hockey, you get points for goals. Oh and no! Okay, okay, okay. I got you. Okay, that was I, you lost me at first. I was think I was too literal. We're I'm too focused on the game show. So I was, <laughs> you know, I was I was not examining things. That is pretty amazing. So it is one to one right now, RJ. You have two categories left. When we come back, we will do the rest of the categories. And if we are tied, we are prepared for a lightning round. Welcome back to the look ahead here on the SB Nation NFL Show. Okay, RJ. Pressure's on. One-to-one. You have two categories left. Where are you going next? Well, I said I was going in order. Uh, Just kind of, you know, chalk in that sense. So I believe that literature is next for me as well. We'll go back-to-back literatures. Okay. A.J. Brown, uh, Titans wide receiver, sent a message to Julio Jones on Instagram trying to recruit him to come to the Titans. The message said, trust me, if you want to carry the load, you can carry it. But if you get tired, you know I can carry you. That's a pretty awesome message from A.J. Brown. There is only one active player with more career receiving yards than Julio Jones. Name that player. Okay. Let me think here. Um, More career receiving yards. Yep. So A.J. Green was in the same draft class, and there's no way that A.J. Green has had Larry Fitzgerald. That is correct. Congratulations. (laughs) And I thought I would trick you because Larry's like, kind of act he hasn't officially retired right. so he's technically still active damn it good job by you wow so you were intentionally mischievous with two of your three questions so far look at you stats and i powered through congratulations to me wow another number 11 in a red jersey at that how about the, and aj said he was originally he said he'd give up 11 to julio but then aj couldn't get number one 
So he was like, oh, sorry, dude, you're going to have to change to number eight or something. I'm keeping uh, 11. On the subject of that, I do believe that Larry Fitzgerald, prior to the change we've seen, obviously, this offseason, is responsible for receivers gravitating towards the team's numbers. You know what I mean? Like, because he had all the success in 11, I do think that that led to dudes wanting to wear 11 and then 10 and 13. And um, Keyshawn Johnson, I guess, somewhat popularized 19. Um, but still, anyway, but that's crazy. I, I cannot believe that we're here with Julio, honestly. I mean, I can. If I'm him, I'd want to get the hell out of Atlanta too, wouldn't you? Um, I guess I I really believe in Atlanta. I've said that before. You know what I mean? Um, I don't believe in their offense, but not their defense. Right. So, um, so I I I don't want to like rush us, but I have a Julio based question. the The answer is not Julio based, but to to merge our questions, if you'll allow me, stats. Um, you only have fears and pet peeves left on my right. list. So if, if you are ready, I will ask you the question. We can continue the Julio discussion. Uh, so your fears and pet peeves question. What And this is an ob, a, a, not an objective answer, but I'm okay with that. Um, what is the worst way to be asked to do something? Like whether your wife asks you to do something, you know, somebody, a stranger asks you to do something, your boss, whatever. What is the worst, most annoying way to be asked to do something? Some sort of chore, some sort of command, whatever. Uh, passive aggressively. Like if someone's up, if my wife says like, oh man, I really wish somebody would take out the garbage. Mm. That drives me up the wall. If you want me to take out the garbage, just say, hey, can you take out that garbage? I'm totally fine with that. But that passive aggressive crap, like what is that? Just get some guts and tell me (laughs) to take out the damn trash. So... I think that's a bad example because that's like not even passive aggressive. That's just aggressive. Cause like who else, <laughs> who else in your household is like being tasked with taking out the garbage? Like that's, that's Rob's job. You know what I mean? So it's not like, it's not like there's somebody that's eligible besides you for the command. She's, you know, insisting on here. Um, I'm going to give you the point um, all, because I think that this is passive aggressive. So you, you were very vague with that. So congratulations to you. But the answer we were technically looking for is do you want to like hey stats do you want to take out the trash no i don't want to do that like i hate that i hate that (laughs) so much oh do you want to go you know do this no if i wanted to do it i would do it you know what i mean i have zero issues like you said if you say hey rj will you please go do this sure totally down right more than happy to help you out but i i hate this like uh, like hey stats do you uh do you want to go to the airport to pick somebody up? No, you have a thousand other things that you would rather be doing. I hate asking someone, do you want to? Uh, but to that point, to the Julio point, um, the Falcons are being asked, do you want to in a very awkward way? Do you want to trade Julio Jones? No. Why would they want to trade <laughs> Julio Jones? Like, you know what I mean? It's And it's actually kind of passive aggressive, although somewhat incidentally because of what happened on Monday on Undisputed. It's interesting because for Julio to say, I mean, Julio Jones has never said a controversial thing in his entire career. And then he does that thing with the undisputed. I wonder why, like, cause he kind of torpedoes the Falcons uh, trade value there when he says I'm out of there. And then we find out he requested a trade. Like we didn't know any of that before that news broke. Good luck Atlanta getting, you know, I think they're getting like a second round pick at most, probably a third. I also think, and Pete and I were talking about this, but I was super pumped to get your opinion on it. This is 
this is a memorable moment for Falcons fans. They will always like people will remember where they were when they heard the clip. You know what I mean? Like, well, like where they were at work or whatever, because it, it's like a heartbreaking thing, you know, because before like before Monday, it was just this like, man, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, like, yeah, he was he was wearing the Cowboys hoodie, whatever. But like to hear him say it that straight up to the point, like I'm out of there. That just rips your heart out as a fan. And I think like there is this point of, you know, uh, rationalization where you say, well, you know, it was going to end, whatever. But that like that's up there with MJ's I'm back facts and obviously very different moments. <laughs> but like but you know what I mean? Like it will it will forever be a memory for Falcons fans. And that's really, really, really rough for one of their all time great players. And by the way, just add it to the pile. The the Falcons have almost no team history. Like the biggest moments in Falcons history are all bad, right? Yeah, uh, it's interesting. Losing the Super Bowl to the Patriots, horrible moment. I mean, losing the NFC Championship, they blew the biggest home lead in an NFC Championship game ever to the 49ers in 2012. Like, all their biggest moments. I think when the Saints came back from Katrina, didn't they play the Falcons? Like, they did. It's incredible. What is the most positive moment in Falcons history? Making the Super Bowl, I suppose. But then you lost it in the biggest comeback in the history of that game. So I agree that the that the 20-3 game ultimately ruins this memory. But the greatest memory is undeniably the NFC title game prior to that. Because it was against the Green Bay Packers. They blew the doors off of them. And that was the final game at the Georgia Dome. So like when you can close out a building like that, I do think that's a really sweet memory. But to your point... Um, so my dad and I, we do a road Cowboys game every year. We obviously didn't do one last year, but in 2018, we went to Atlanta and saw Mercedes Benz. It was super awesome. And something we do every, every stadium we visit is we get the Jersey of that team's like most iconic player. And it was tough <laughs> in Atlanta. Like it was tough because I like a part of me wanted Michael Vick, like, cause that's, that's certainly their greatest player of all time, but Wrong. you know, Okay, whatever. He's he's certainly their most iconic player of all time. I think. Wrong. Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but they didn't even have Michael Vick jerseys in the Falcons Pro Shop. I don't know if that's like purposeful or intentional, or whatever. Do you know who he ultimately settled on? How could it not be Deion Sanders? I guess that's fair, but the longe- the longevity just isn't the same to me. But that's fine. That's a fair point. You're right. Anyway. Uh, we settled on – they didn't have Dion jerseys, by the way. See, like, I, okay. this Gil Brandt actually asked this question. This is a topic for a different day uh, on Twitter last week, and I, I said to you, like, what you identify Dion Sanders as. And I identify him as a cowboy for obvious reasons. Um, so that's also – that also hinders my own personal evaluation of Dion as a Falcon. But um, we settled on Julio, actually. That was, you know, that was the one. And and maybe when it's all said and done, Matt Ryan has the – the most like the most beloved career in Falcons history because Dion left Julio's leaving. You know what I mean? Like Matt might be the the guy who sticks it out to the very end. But here's the thing. Matt has bad moments too. In the game they blew against the 49ers. He fumbled a snap that let the Niners in the game in the Super Bowl game. He got, he took a big sack late in the game. It took them out of field goal range. And he had a uh, fumble. I believe that Dante Hightower recovered or caused like, he yeah. has horrible moments. Nobody blames Julio for the Super Bowl. In fact, he had one of the greatest catches in yep. Super Bowl history in that game. So I think Julio is is ultimately the winner there. All right. You have one more question. It is tied at two to two. Are you ready? Uh, I am ready. My category, I believe, is it's all relative. That's correct. Amazon made news yesterday when they paid eight and a half billion dollars to buy MGM. Are you aware of this? I am aware of this. 
Okay. Is that more or less money than what they paid the NFL for the Thursday night football package? Oh, it's less. The way you, you frame this question, it's less. That is correct. It is less oh, yeah. money. 10 years of Thursday night football costs about, I think it was anywhere between 10 to $12 billion. All of MGM Studios cost Amazon $8.5 billion. I find Amazon to be amazing, um, obviously. But, I mean, people make a big deal about the games that are streaming to come. Actually, last season, I remember we were slacking about this. The 49ers-Cardinals game, right, was exclusively on Amazon Prime. That gets forgotten. Um, I mean, it is – I don't know. It's – I feel like – I'm so overwhelmed with the number of things that I have to watch. Like I'm so behind on different things on different platforms. And like, do you know how many podcasts I have to listen to stats? I mean, like it's, it's a chore. Um, and so now like, you know what I would love um, and game pass exists, but like, I would love if we get to a point with all of this, where there's more like chronic gold, like if all of NFL films library was available on Amazon prime, you know what I mean? Like if we're going to go this distance, let's do it right. Yeah, you know what? If I was Amazon, I might have tried to push for that. That'd be pretty sweet. Um, Here's one thing I like about that, though, that I hope they do. There's talk of potentially Amazon letting you choose your announcers for their games. Like you could go with the Amazon announcer or the radio guys for your team. Or if you want, no announcers, which, by the way, was done for a game back in the day, decades ago. It was a Jets game, I believe, and they had no announcers. It was literally, literally just straight up the game i think they still use graphics but there was no play-by-play no analysis nothing and they only did it once and everybody hated it and it's never been done since that's really cool um people like see like people like to do that right because people are so loyal to their home radio broadcast so they'll say like i turned the volume down on the tv and i turn on the radio but it's so impossible to sync them up you know what i mean like because something's off or whatever the case may be that would be really 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 cool uh if you could listen to that i mean is there any question that Amazon is the most far-reaching company that the NFL could get involved with here to get their product in people's homes, literally and figuratively? I, I can't think of another one, to be honest with you, unless they went with, like, Disney somehow. Oh, that's coming. You can bet your bottom dollar that's coming. Well, congratulations, RJ, because you are victorious. You have beaten me three to two. I get the apartment. <laughs> that's right. I'm I'm jealous. Uh, I'm disappointed, although I think one of your questions, I'm, I'm under protest here because that question about the Indiana Jones and the division was the weirdest <laughs> question ever. Also, all of mine were football related and you were throwing golf at me. You were throwing all sorts of stuff against the wall. First of all, there's like four lies in that statement because the, <laughs> the Indiana Jones thing was the clue for the question. Second of all, not all of yours were football related. You asked about Russell Westbrook and popcorn. And I didn't know. No, that wasn't the question. That was the jumping off point. The question was about what was thrown on the field at a Bills game. That's a football question. Yeah, well, whatever. That's another fair point. Crap. Uh, Still, (laughs) I am the winner. Um, I'm upset with you that you were not good enough, to be frank, to naturally and off of merit get us to the lightning round. But because we prepared questions, we have to do it. Sorry, we're going to do it because we went through this. Now, uh, Stats had another great idea. Stats, even though I'm the winner, Stats is the MVP of this episode because Stats uh, really did lay out the, you know, the, the rules and the protocols. And so, Stats, what is the lightning round? 
The lightning round is, is, you know, I have five questions for you to answer, hopefully in 30 seconds. And my questions that I will ask you are all Dallas Cowboy related questions. And your questions for me are all 49ers questions, since those are the teams that we cover. That's right. So I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to put a time limit on you. Like, I know we're getting close to the end of the episode, but I'm not going to time you on this. I'm not going to go literal lightning round. If you want to do that with me, that's fine. Um, I do have five questions for you, but one of them is particularly long. Um, so, you know, yeah, I, I am the winner. So I think I get to choose if I want to go first or second. Is that fair? All right. That's fair. Um, I want to go second. So that means you have to go first. You want to know what you have to beat. I respect right. that. <laughs> so, um, again, it's five questions. I'll give you the longer one last if that is helpful to you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. New San Francisco 49ers Trey Lance was born in what year? 2000. All right, big time deal. First NFL player drafted, born in two thousand or later. Correct. What was San Francisco's record that season? Oh God, in two thousand, mm-hmm. they were still fairly decent. Although that might have been that was the first year I think without Steve Young. I'll go six and ten. It was six and ten, two for two. Name any of their victories, any of their six wins that season. Just name the team they beat. Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos. So in order, they beat the Dallas Cowboys. They beat the Arizona Cardinals. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They beat the Atlanta Falcons. They beat the San Diego Chargers and the Chicago Bears. Uh, So you're two for three. Who was the only person on the 2000 San Francisco 49ers to attempt a pass that season but not complete one? Jerry Rice. That is correct. You are three for four. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So this one's really long. And so – um, if, if you get most of them, I think we'll qualify as right. Um, so it's a little bit painful. So I apologize. The 49ers stats have lost the NFC championship game or Super Bowl 11 times. Name those seasons. Those seasons. Oh no, my goodness. Just, yeah. The years that this happened. Well, they lost the Super Bowl in 2019. Obviously they lost the Super Bowl in 2012. Okay. They had never lost a Super Bowl before that. So that takes those off the board. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost the NFC Championship game twice in a row to the Dallas Cowboys in 1992 and 1993. You've got four. They lost an NFC Championship game to the Green Bay Packers. Is Was that 1997? You've got five. Um, God, I know there's so many more because the Niners, oh, man, they've been to a lot of NFC Championship games. Um, did they lose an NFC Championship game to Washington? Was that? I know they lost in the playoffs to Joe Gibbs' team, but I don't remember if that was an NFC Championship game, and I have no concept of what the year would be. Uh, they lost the, the fumble game to the Giants. Was that an NFC Championship game? Uh, 1992? They did lose 1992, but you already said that. That was to the Cowboys. Oh, Candlestick. yeah, dummy, dummy. Um, all right, I don't know any more of the specific years. That's, that's as good as I got. Uh, going in order... Um, the first two that they lost were also to the Dallas Cowboys in 1970 and 1971. The Cowboys would lose Super Bowl V to the then Baltimore Colts, and then they went on to win their first Super Bowl uh, in 1971, Super Bowl VI. They lost the NFC title game in 1983. Um, they did lose in 1990 to the New York Giants. That's the one you were kind of thinking about. Damn it. Um, and then 92 and 93 again. They did lose in 1997. You missed out on that one to the Green Bay Packers. Packers, um, um so no, not the Packers. Sorry. Uh, and then I'm really stunned you missed these. You did obviously mention the Super Bowl losses, but you did not mention oh, the, the Seahawks. Jim- oh my God! Yeah, uh, you missed 2011 
and 2013. So the Giants See, and the Seahawks. 2011 was too painful. That's the Kyle <laughs> Williams game. Oh my God. That is, that is bad. So, okay. I got three of the five. No, you got, um, let's see, you got 92, 93, 12, 19. You didn't get even a majority. No, I, I mean the lightning round. Like, uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm sorry. You did a great job, but not enough to, I wouldn't feel right giving you the point there. But three out of All five right. is respectable. Okay. I, no deal. I got three you. out of four in the regular game. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up. We'll see. Are you ready? I'm always ready. Okay. The Dallas Cowboys recently hired Ben McAdoo to be part of their coaching staff. Who did Ben McAdoo beat to get his first win as head coach of the New York Giants? Oh, my gosh. This is not a Cowboys question. This is such a cheat move. Again, um, the Dallas Cowboys. That is correct. See, it is a Dallas Cowboy. How dare you question me? All right. One for one. Good job by you. Next question. Who is the last Cowboys quarterback to start in week one, not named Dak Prescott or Tony Romo? Drew Bledsoe. That is correct. Two for two. Very good. That was 2005. Who is the only Cowboys head coach to finish his tenure with a losing record? Dave Campo. Three for three. This is really backfiring on <laughs> Number four. The Cowboys have played in how many NFC championship games? Oh, man. Um, are we talking pre-merger? Like, are we talking like Super Bowl one? You're qualifying as a, as a championship game? No. So you're talking like it has Conference to be. Conference championship game. Okay. Um, well, so it's 70, 71. Let's see here. 77, 75, 78. Um, and then they lost three in a row with Danny White in 80, 81, and 82. That's eight. And then uh, the three in the 90s, 11. 11 is incorrect. Oh. That was the number of towels that Monica has, by the way, (laughs) categories of towels. They had Dallas Cowboys have played in 14 conference championship games, second to only one team in the NFC. The Green Bay Packers. The San Francisco 49ers, who have played in more conference championship games than anyone. Okay, last question for you. What three did I miss? You can't tell me that. I gave you the ones you missed. I don't know. I looked all this up last night. You missed three. None of them came after 1995. I could tell you that. Okay, fine. Go ahead. Okay. Last question for you. What is Chandler Bing's job? He, um, that's, uh, I mean, the answer that Rachel gave was a transponder or transponder, but he does ultimately switch jobs to work in advertising. So he's an advertising agent. I think that that's a fair point. I think that that is. I mean, the answer is he works in statistical analysis and data reconfiguration. He, I did name a job that Chandler being held. He gave up his career in season eight and switched to the advertising world. So, no <laughs> but big at deal. the time the question was asked, that was pre season eight. Incidentally enough, we tied in the lightning round. Like, not the I, regular game. Like, <laughs> the ironic thing is that we tied in the tie breaking procedure. I feel better about my performance. Like, I feel like I redeemed myself a little bit in the lightning round. How? I got the same number of questions right that you did. Yeah, but your questions were harder than mine. Mine were easy. How were my questions harder than yours? The Jerry Rice one was super obvious. And the Jeff Garcia whole situation was super obvious. The hardest one was guessing a game that the 49ers won in 2000. Yeah, that was brutal. I mean, (laughs) I... I don't know. I, I feel good about my performance. I redeem myself. Let us know how you think we did. You can hit us up. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Stats on Fire. RJ Ochoa is on Twitter at RJ Ochoa. Are you on Instagram? You are on Instagram. Where can we find you? 
I'm at RJ Ochoa on both Twitter and Instagram. I make it nice and simple. Just my name, no underscores, no nicknames, no dots, no nothing. Nice, simple, to the point. And you can always, always, always leave us a question in your review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe. We really do appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed the episode, everybody. Go watch the Friends reunion, and we'll talk to you next week.